0: space the final frontier no i'm not gonna say that <laughs> okay so we're gonna uh this is me quinn from ideas by and fire and phil the issues guy you want to introduce yourself phil yes thank phil. you quinn for having me i it could have been worse you could have started off saying it's been a long oh, time no
1: no, <laughs> uh, no i'm phil the issues guy phil the issues guy on youtube uh that, Quinn and I kind of hijacked one of Tony's streams a couple of uh, weeks ago to talk about Star Trek. So
0: we've been wanting to talk about some Trek for a while. Thank you, everybody. And uh, good good to be here. Yeah. Star Trek. So if you don't know, I'm a huge fan of Star Trek. Like, I am like a super fan of Star Trek. Like, I didn't grow up watching Star Trek. It's something that I picked up, like, in my teen years. And then I'm just like a huge fan of Star Trek. And like, Phil is like a Star Trek expert. What were you gonna uh, say?
1: I, I was gonna say, I'm not sure. Like, I have a similar Star Trek upbringing. When I was young, my cousin was into it, so I saw a lot of the original movies. Uh-huh. But then there was a mid period where I was just like, no, I'm not gonna be into Star Trek. Uh-huh. And then as usual happened in certain situations, I was dating a girl who was obsessed with Star <laughs> Trek. And I started watching it with her and being amazed with how good it was, specifically Deep Space Nine. Uh-huh. If I had to say, I am a deep space nine obsessive. I really love Next Generation a lot, especially some of the ideals. Original cast movies. Voyager, I'm more warm to now than I've ever been in my life. Uh-huh. And Enterprise I think has good episodes, but not necessarily an excellent arc.
0: Uh-huh. Well, I for me, Voyager is my least favorite of all the shows. Like I don't I can't because I just can't get behind most of those characters in Voyager. Like I don't like Neelix at All, oh, uh, sucks. what's her name? The Sans Tess. <laughs> I was gonna say, the- oh, no, Cass Cass, 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 Cass. Yeah, I hate her. <laughs> I- yeah, they, they're the sand snakes of Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> she is one of the worst characters I think just ever imagined. Like Deanna Troy, Wannabe, just like, <laughs> just no, I hated that see, character. T-
1: see, to me, Voyager. Is The worst because of the wasted opportunity. Uh-huh. I think Enterprise didn't have an opportunity to get its feet And I think if you watch the documentary the captains with Scott Bakula voices Verbalize very good. Why next why enterprise didn't work as well He said he blames himself because he had already done quantum leap and was uh-huh. already had done his show So he didn't maybe put in the time and effort to bring the cast together At least that's what he uh-huh. said, which just shows how awesome the guy Scott Bakula is Voyager on the other hand is just wasted Talent. It's it's in that like uh, Bronx tale, wasted talent. Because you set up this all this amazing stuff on Next Generation, Deep Space Nine with the Maquis. Yeah, a awesome storyline. You set up all this tension, and I think a decent enough first episode with Voyager. The whole first season of Voyager should have been a war between the people on board, uh, the Federation people, and the Maquis. Maybe Janeway wasn't necessarily the captain at first so she wouldn't be right all the time and it could be kind of more of a struggle than something like an episode Year of Hell that mm-hmm. lasted a whole season and they could have just made it show how out there but instead the show just kind of turned into a, a wannabe uh, next generation clone of solving all the problems in an episode and being overpowered against the Borg and killing the Borg mm-hmm. and all this horrible stuff And just to back up your 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 biggest point about Voyager. None of the characters are compelling uh, hence for I kind of like Tuvok and I kind of like seven of nine because I'm you know She's awesome to look at no, but I think it's an interesting character to have <laughs> And I like and I like the doctor because I watched growing pains and it's great to see him in another show But and I like some of the doctor's storylines, but other than that he. Chiquote, or whatever his name is, uh, Chicoté, Chico- Chico- uh-huh. boring as hell. I hated that uh, character. Him, boring as hell. Uh, bilana B'El- should be interesting, but she's not. I hate B'Elanna. Tom Paris could go, go fuck himself. <laughs> if he was maybe that guy from Next Generation, like the same character in that <laughs> Wesley episode, then maybe. But, like, I'm constantly looking at him. Aren't you the guy that, that screwed Wesley <laughs> over?
0: I mean... Oh yeah from the um episode with the with the I kn- I know which episode you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it's called but they go and they do that they do that
0: technique or something. I tend to skip over Wesley episodes when I watch them. <laughs> I do. I, yeah, I don't blame you. But like I ha- I think I had my first experience watching Star Trek ever on Voyager where I just like took a step back and just thought what the fuck am I watching? And it was on the episode <laughs> when uh, <laughs> the captain is trying to find her spirit animal and Chakotay is oh like, my fuck he's like he's like oh you gotta and it was so it was like the worst thing that I'd ever seen I was like this is supposed to be Star Trek like what am I watching and then also yeah. in the episode Threshold where I was just like what the fuck is this even supposed to be like they literally turn into lizards at the end and then like <laughs> they have lizard babies <laughs> Not to mention they killed Q too. I wanted to talk about that. They make Q uh-huh. such a shadow
1: of what he was yeah. on, on Next Generation by giving him a kit. Like all that stuff was, was just horrible. And even when Next Generation did cheesy stuff, they always managed to have some sort of uh, an entertaining aspect of it. Even Absolutely. Deanna and. and uh, I was last night. I was watching the episode. It's sort of a uh, Wharf episode, and it's sort of a Beverly episode. I think it's called Ethics, mm-hmm. and it's uh, when Worf breaks his back. And it's, it's 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 not one of the best episodes, but it focuses a lot on Beverly. And I think G- Gates McFadden is a is a good actress when they give her stuff to do. And I, I think on Voyager, it's just it, something just doesn't. Click and something just seems derivative on Voyager. That even on Enterprise, it doesn't seem that way. It seems like at least they were trying something. Uh, but, but I have a question for you, Quinn. What was the first Star Trek that bit you? You said that Voyager was the first that said "fuck this." But weird, in your Star Trek journey, you said you started late uh, in your teenagers. What was the first thing you watched?
0: The one of the one of the episodes that I remember that that stood out the most when I was when I first started watching Star Trek was Measure of a Man, uh, oh, Star Trek the Next Generation. Yeah, I was super into it because it, because it, like I always like like, uh, Law and Order, Law and Order, and so I was basically like it was like a it was like the Star Trek version of Law and Order, basically, and it was so interesting, like the subject matter of like, um, synthetic life forms that are alive and have rights. Yeah, yeah, that was just mind blowing to me at the time, and you know, it just really, it, that that's something that really stood with me and stuck with me for a very very long time. And that's why I have such a problem with that one Enterprise episode that I talked to you about. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: similitude. To, to, yeah. But yeah
0: we're, we're gonna, I'm sure we'll get to that in a sec. But one quick thing I want to say about Measure
1: of a Man, that was the episode that Quinn was watching in the background when we were doing that Tony I was. stream. I spotted the episode. I was. And it's an episode I've talked about a lot in the last year because of uh, the TV show Westworld, not to get too far down that route. But that show explores a lot of concepts. I constantly was talking about Star Trek and every one of my Westworld things because I really love that same thing. I even like it in short circuit, as horrible as, as silly Mm. as that sounds. It's anytime you explore as machines develop, uh, develop sentience and what their rights are. And that's one element of sci-fi that really tickles my whatever. Tickles a part of my body I don't want to tell you guys about.
0: (laughs) And There's so many questions that get brought up like... Uh, like they they say like if it's sentient then you should like give it rights and freedoms and stuff. But like, would it even desire that? That would or yeah. would it need to be like programmed to desire freedom and rights? What if it what if it wants to be a prisoner? You know what I mean? Like that,
1: that's an excellent point. And it's if you go to uh, and that's why Deep Space Nine is my favorite. Mm-hmm. You think of a conversation when they're, uh when Garrick and Quark are at a bar and I forget what episode. I think it's in season six sometime when the Dominion's getting ready to attack. Uh, and they just talk about how what's wrong with humans, or or in Siege of AR-59, I think it's called, uh, when Quark mm-hmm. talks to uh, talks to uh, Nog about about humans are great, but when they're challenged with things, they turn into these crazy creatures. I love. The perspective of looking at things from other alien perspectives and going, maybe they wouldn't want sentience mm-hmm. or wouldn't want rights. Maybe they'd want something else. Maybe they'd be the Borg and want to assimil- assimilate yeah. you or, or be like Judgment Day for, the ter- for on Terminator or something like that. Absolutely. Who knows what they will want to do. That's a very narrowistic perspective from uh, from humans in the Federation. And I, I like that. And I like that on on Deep Space Nine so much. And on the original series movies too, where you see the the Federation isn't always right. Uh-huh. I guess you see it on Next Generation too. Picard goes against the uh, the the admiral several times, uh, and we were talking about this in association with that episode, *Sim Simitude*, uh, that we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. a little bit, where uh, Picard, in an episode that has a chance to destroy the Borg, and he has a very personal stake against that, yes. and he chooses not to put the sickness into the Borg. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I hate the next generation movies because they <laughs> seem to take away all the character development of the next generation, uh, especially, especially with Data and Picard. But that's a different issue altogether.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he gets scolded by an admiral later on for not for not killing the Borg. She's like, "No, you should have killed him." And then if you have, if you get a chance next time, do it. And you know that that is like the thing. Like the Federation isn't always right, at least not in my opinion. Like like a lot of times the Federation is – I saw a really good video actually a while ago that was talking about like how the Federation has in some – well, it can be viewed as kind of like a fascist organization. Mm-hmm. Like if you uh, really look at it because they are kind of like imposing uh, their philosophy on everybody else and they're saying you can't join us unless you think the same way that we do.
1: Especially with some of the, if you think about the way they interact with, the, and again, I keep bring, I'll bring up D Space Nine all the time, the Ferengi and how they mm-hmm. talk down to oh, them yeah. because, they re, because they remind them so much of humans of the 20th, twenty and 21st century. And, and Quark calls them out on that several times. And I think also you see how some of the humans in, in Deep Space Nine feed into living, you, you see how other people in the quadrants live. And they do still use money with yes. the, the latinum and everything like that. And humans are almost elitists about it Absolutely. all, and and like talking down to people like that. And I'm not saying that every Cardassian's right, but or every Romulan's right. But sometimes when they the Romulans are worse. But I, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Like when they when they call people out on that stuff, when they call humans out on that, it's it's very effective. And I I think that's why a creation on next generation like the Maquis. Was so important, and I and I mean a lot of more. That I think that's an example of something that was done even better on on Next Generation. I love I love yes. Bro Laren's, uh dip into that better than Eddington. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't really a big fan of the Eddington storyline for the most part, but uh, but the Maquis and showing that not all humans are people in the Federation think the same way, Absolutely. and having the Klingons split off at times because they're so much war, more warlike. I think that is what's beautiful about Star Trek when they can explore all those things. Not necessary, and I think that's one of the problems with Voyager. Yeah, go back to Voyager for a second, because when you were saying Picard's thinking, "I don't want to kill the Borg," somewhere Janeway's going, Fuck it, "I'll kill the Borg." <laughs> Bye,
0: yeah, she—it's like she has no like m- like philosophy, no morality that she follows. I don't know. It's like w- it wavers. Yeah. like Picard it's, was always consistent, at least if you don't count the movies.
1: Yeah, if you don't count the movies where be, where it was Patrick Stewart trying to be a, an action hero, and I think I think unfortunately those movies never should have happened. And essentially, they should have turned into multi series universe movies. I understand mm-hmm. uh, generations. You wanted to have generations, even though it's not a perfect movie. It was a good. It seemed like next generation. It seemed like it was in the world. You kind of transitioned them into the movies. Yeah. After that point. You bring in Deep Space Nine characters. You bring in Voyager characters. You bring in new characters in that universe that will somehow connect everybody. And then you have maybe one or two movies in that universe to lead up to something, to some big cataclysm or some shit to happen. Maybe it's rescuing Cisco. Maybe it's all of them going to have to rescue Voyager and fight the Borg one final time. You don't kill the Borg on Voyager. You leave that up to a movie and have ultimately what First Contact was be all... Every human we've ever met, every Federation person we've ever met gathering together. I mean, it's very Hollywood. Uh You still could do something like that and it would be bigger because that original cast, for whatever it's worth, They were movie stars. Almost every single one of them, they have this gravitas that, I'm sorry, I love Brent Spiner and Patrick Stewart. They're excellent actors, but they're not guys that carry a movie alone. Someone's out there going, X-Men, well, he needs Ian McKellen and fucking Wolverine there and all those other people to fill in. Patrick Stewart's not uh, I carry a I-carry-a-movie-on-my-own kind of guy. And neither is Brent Spiner, and they're both excellent actors. Mm -hmm. Frakes, he's a soap opera actor at best. (laughs) And he's great, he's likable. They they just they didn't have enough to focus on in those movies, so they became hollow action movies.
0: I, I like every to me what stands out about Patrick Stewart the most mm-hmm. is that just awesome English voice that he has and those yeah. speeches. Like in the measure of a man, like I remember just getting chills like when he when he says the Federation was created to seek out new life. Well, there it sits.
1: There it's sick. imagine having a movie where you have him because you saw it a little bit mm-hmm. in in uh, in the Emissary the first episode of Deep Space Nine But a movie where you have the Cisco coming back from talking with the prophets mm-hmm. and having to argue with Picard about something Yeah, and having a strong because Avery Brooks is a movie star yes. is does could carry a role He does an American history X. He does it in so many things. He's just such a, a force of nature you you have Andrew Robinson on a movie screen. You have like a you have Garrick in a movie. I mean, fuck. Like I I don't know. I'm I'm obviously <laughs> people. Someone's out there. But you are you're so Deep Space Nine. Biased. <laughs> I am, I am. But I love the next generation characters. I just think they work best when they're working off other strong forces, especially in a
0: movie. I mean, Patrick Stewart. In- I was going to say I've even said before that Deep Space Nine I think has the best writing out of all the Star Trek shows. Like next generation had a really wonky kind of first two seasons, and then the seventh season is kind of touch and go for me too. But I I really did like that last episode of the seventh season. Uh, I think that uh, all good things. Yeah, fantastic episode. I think think that the unfortunate thing about the
1: first next generation movie is all good things is better than
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: with a few tweaks, all good things could have been the first next generation movie. Yeah. It could have just it could have had that be their introduction. I agree, that's one of the strongest episodes. Mind and blowing. yeah, Deep Space mind blowing the way it goes through. It's an excellent Q episode. What are your, what are your opinions of the character Q? I personally really like him. I think tapestry and I think he's is one of my other favorite episodes and that's the one where Cap- he takes Picard. Mm-hmm. yeah picard has the, the near life near-death experience and he brings him back in time and
0: all that beautiful, stuff. beautiful beautiful episode uh q i i like the character in next generation uh not so much in the other shows yeah yeah i agree i i like him in next generation and i i think it's interesting like how um the story of how q came into be like they had already had a script written for encounter at farpoint and then like somewhere in the mix it got decided that it was going to be like a two-hour pilot instead of a one-hour pilot so gene roddenberry inserted the character q into the story to make it longer i never heard that. yeah I, that's incredible. yeah it, it was mentioned on, in the documentary chaos on the bridge it was on netflix i don't know if it is anymore but yeah right that time. very I'm interesting that time. Very inter- I, I just found it super interesting and like the um the chick yes. that the woman that wrote the original script Actually wasn't mm. too happy about it because she kind of feels like gene gene Roddenberry like kind of just slid yeah. in on her thing And now both of her names are on the script
1: I've seen a couple documentaries on Star Trek and it's worth mentioning if We're having sort of a general Star Trek conversation that gene Roddenberry towards the end I'm talking so much about Deep Space Nine. He would have hated the concept of Deep Space Nine
0: Probably. and he
1: also he also towards the end, I guess, was kind of a harder writer to work with and and, and they had some trouble with him here and there. And uh, yeah. so 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 uh as much as Roddenberry's vision is Star Trek and I I love Roddenberry, I also I Iris Stephen Bear, uh, Berman, all of those guys, Braga, they they define Star Trek and helped explore it in a way that that I hope Roddenberry could appreciate, but but some would argue that he
0: wouldn't. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can find quotes from him that can argue any point of view. <laughs> yeah. I think I really think you can <laughs> because like I, I, I follow like several Star Trek groups on Facebook and like people post contradicting things all the time. Like Gene Roddenberry said this. Gene Roddenberry said that. Like who knows what he really thought. I mean, but <laughs> he his opinions changed over time. And you could see that fr- like with the difference from the original series to next generation that his view of what the future it was going to be like shifted a little bit absolutely a lot. absolutely yeah
1: <laughs> I, I have to admit that the original series this might seem like heresy to some people that are that are that are uh that are really like you know true true people like that have been a bit true trekkies that have been there from the beginning but the original series I sort of have a. It's hard for me to get into it. I've watched it. I appreciate it. The great episodes are great, but this is just a me thing. It's like going back and somebody trying to watch bad special effects. I just. It, it's hard for me to appreciate it on the same level as someone that would have been watching it for the first time. I'm very. Aesthetics are important uh-huh. to me. I don't want to talk too much about this, but the Discovery trailer also came out this week, and I watched it yesterday. I. Appreciate uh, it a lot more than the first Discovery trailer. Yeah, it's much I better. I still, it's much better. I still hate some of the aesthetics, and I hope that doesn't take me out of it. Why do the Klingons look kind of like Cardassians? I like the Klingon design. Michael Dorn is a, the Klingons. He defined it in the way that that uh, that Spock, that N- Leonard N- Nimoy, desi- started off the Vulcans. Like they they designed everything from the Vulcans. I appreciate it, and maybe I'll be proven wrong. I'll be proven, hopefully I'll prove her wrong, but to me the Michael Dorn Klingon yeah. look is the best Klingon. I There's don't no get reason to change it.
0: Why they changed it? The Klingon design has been the same since the first movie, since like the first.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Before my sorry, but it was uh, it was like Christopher Lo- Christopher Lloyd and yeah uh, or. First time we saw them was that movie Chris, with Chris
0: Meloy. Yeah, and then they even explained it in Deep Space Nine. Well, they kind of mentioned it in Deep Space Nine, like that they live different. Talk it with yeah, so like I don't see why they suddenly changed it here. It just throws everything off for me. Like it's just like, why are they? Why? Ugh. Like.
1: Yeah, and- and I like some of the cast. I love a lot of the casting choice. I love the names behind it, and I really did like a lot of the parts of this trailer. I think Sa- I don't know her name offhand, but Sasha from The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. I think she, her. I think she's playing a human Vulcan character. I can definitely see that with her. Your is
0: and... too human. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I, I could, I could, I could see it. But I still don't like the way it all looks. Yeah. And I wish it was in the future. And I'm sorry that the. That the JJ movies screwed up the timeline. They feel like they can't do the future, but it should be post that time. I don't care what timeline it is, but it should be even. But even so, maybe if they were going to do that, make it right before Next Generation, or I don't know. Look, the it's,
0: JJ un the JJ is in a different universe, like JJ Abrams was in the Yeah, is it called the Calvin universe
1: or something? I, I get confused.
0: It? There's like I think I think ours like the TV show is Prime Universe, and his is Calvin, or or it could okay. be backwards. I don't know, but like <laughs> I feel like. Discovery looks like a super polished version of Enterprise, and I feel exactly. that it would make more sense if it was right after Enterprise instead of right before the original series. But still, the technology looks too advanced.
1: Good. It, it looks too too advanced even to be before the JJ. Yeah, it, it looks like future tech. Mm-hmm. Like, and I. And I guess with the technology that we have from like a television making standpoint, it just doesn't make sense to me that whether they chose the prime of the Calvin universe to do it, to do like not do a reboot of next generation, but maybe have done it in the Calvin universe in the next generation time. Mm -hmm. Just, just some, something more in the future. The past didn't work before. And I, the one thing I'm hoping is that I'm going in this, Unlike any other Star Trek show before, I'm going in this with very, 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 very low expectations. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I can be is pleased. The CBS All Access shit is pissing me off. Yeah. That
0: I have to get CBS All Access for it. I'm gonna now that's, pirate the
1: fuck out of that show. That's annoying.
0: This is the first Star Trek show that I get to watch like as it's airing. So like like, it's annoying that it's not going to actually be on television, that I'm going to have to... Well, there is a free trial, so I will be getting that. Yeah, uh, that's, how...
1: that's what we Yeah, I'm going to be doing the free trial, <laughs> and then after that, I'm I'm going to be sailing the pirate
0: walk. <laughs> I mean, I really want this show to surprise me and actually be good. And I did hear, rumor has it, that they did hire people to check the continuity. But I don't know how far that's going to go, because it's already been, like, filmed. And, like, so...
1: And... And what's going to be the continuity from Enterprise to original series? Because there is, I mean, I guess they can do a lot of the stuff that's talked about later to make sure that nothing is contradictory. Uh, so I guess that could work. I... To me, it's all going to be about the tone of the show when it actually happens. Because right now we've just seen quick flashes. I don't believe anything from a trailer. No. Trailers
0: lie. Yeah, absolutely. i just love to have something that's after the Voyager timeline. Like the games, the game, the Star Trek online is like after the Voyager timeline, like something. Yeah, these
1: online games. Yeah. Data
0: Data's the uh, captain of the ship and all that. And there's
1: so much story to be mined there. How, how does Garrick rebuild Cardassia? What happens with the Klingon Empire that, with uh, the new leadership, with Martok as the, as the Chancellor? What happens with the Romulans in the, in the Federation post Nemesis, even though Nemesis isn't perfect, but post them having that big thing that's going to bring them closer and start to try to work out an alliance between the Federation and, uh, and the, and the Romulans. there's just so much stuff to explore there, even if we want to tie it into the JJ movie, where in the star Trek comic book, it's said that, and I think it's also talked about in the video game too, that the ship that Spock uses to travel through time to get the red matter and all that sort of shit was designed by Geordi. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many ways you could even just r- r- more connect, even though that's not my hopeful thing that they'd ever do, more connect those two universes if you wanted to with a series
0: or even a miniseries they could totally... or something like that. They could totally have Whoopi Goldberg show up and be like, it's Guinan, like, uh, several, can
1: yeah. finally explain why Guinan thinks she has powers when she faces <laughs> off against Q and sees what I mean, she does that with her hand.
0: I mean, what what did he think? Because he did the same thing. So, like, that's, yeah. what, that's why I was like, uh, what's going on here? Like, can she somehow thwart the powers of the Q? And if so, why is she always letting him fuck up their shit?
1: Is she, Q, is she a Q Sith or something? Is she,
0: uh,
1: her people she's listened for so long. I forget what they call them, Andalorians? Not yet. I forget what they're called, but, uh, that's the this villain in, yeah. uh, in Generations. In, uh, generations, yeah. yeah. Matthew McDowell, Matthew McDow, I think it yeah, is. Yeah, from
0: Clockwork from uh, Orange.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't creep me out, man. Don't, don't creep me out. Uh, but, but yeah, so I, I feel like the, uh, the original scene the original series leading into this new series being a prequel to, to the JJ time period somewhat, Uh but is this in, that's my question. Is this in the prime continuity? I guess it doesn't count. It doesn't matter because the JJ stuff that changed the continuity was, was right around the time was right after this time period. So it doesn't matter. That's why they're choosing this time. Mm -hmm. So it can be kind of like a, a, a dead area of where there's nothing happening, but, Still I
0: think it's a Okay, it's good.
1: It's good that we're low on it.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah, I get I get what you're saying. Like they, they're they're putting it in this time period because it could apply to either it's supposed to be able right. to apply to either timelines.
1: That was probably probably when they were all sitting in the in the room, the concept room about when we should put this series. That's, That's probably what really decide.
0: Effing annoying
1: that is very it's stupid. annoying. It fucking sucks. Fuck you J.J. Abrams movies for one and a half good
0: movies. like for it's real
1: But fu- like, and I think the third movie was decent and the second movie was absolute dog shit And I think there were elements of the first movie that were all right, but but the hell with it They were weren't and I know a lot of people I, there's a funny article that was written in a blog post Someone wants to do a search on it. It's something along the lines of why Star Trek fans are mad that the movie was fun I'm not mad that the movies oh, were God. fun it was like, but it's that's not the point. Nemesis it, is fun. Nemesis is fun. I like the battle at the end. Tom Hardy's performance is is great. I love watching Data go superhero and fly across the ship. It's still a shit it's movie, fun. though. <laughs> it's still a shit movie. Insurrection is not fun and no. a shit movie. A movie can be fun and a shit movie. It depends what you want. The second movie was a shit movie. That portrayal of Khan was shit. Ugh. The battle with Spock and him at the end when they're having a freaking fist fight going back and forth and he's screaming when spock yells
0: yells, khan no That impact. was the worst worst thing i've ever seen it had in my no mind. impact whatsoever because look like in 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 wrath of khan when spock dies like he doesn't just come back like five minutes later also oh so it's like
1: no, it, it means something yeah that didn't mean shit yeah the worst thing about that was it was, came out on May 17th, my birthday. Mm-hmm. And I got tickets, I uh but we got tickets like way ahead of time. And it was like a, I was like, "Okay, that first movie was decent. This is the second one. Maybe they learned. It'll be a good Star Trek movie." I'm excited for it. I went to go see that opening night on my birthday. Mm-hmm. And I was
0: I, like, I was just so disappointed. That was the worst birthday ever. Uh, I was like, "This sucks." I thought I was going <laughs> to oh like it. God. I don't know why I thought I was going to like it because like I I like Benedict Cumberbatch, but like in that I just didn't enjoy it. It was just like a wannabe Wrath of Khan, and it would just it just didn't hold up.
1: It was good, and the reason why I thought I was going to like it too, right before the movie came out, they were doing a half, like a, I think it was a 10-minute or 15-minute preview before other movies, and I went to go see something else and forget what it was. And they did a preview of it. And all they showed you was that intro section uh-huh. where they're down on that planet that's super colorful and Kirk's running from them. And it's just this kind of fun scene that's very Star Trek. I enjoy it. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, the beginning of this movie is awesome. And if the rest of the movie kind of has this feel, I guess the third movie kind of did. But it's too little too late for me at that point. It
0: was that that movie was you could, it, I could see that being like an episode of Star Trek. But if yeah, like. Absolutely. Yeah. Beyond. Absolutely, but no,
1: re- but again, no reason to I- I'm just not a big fan of the concept of Recasting actors playing the same characters in any situation. I mean, I think sometimes it works But in like a movie casting I, A reboot movie. Why not do just a new cast? That's what, what I timeline? wanted
0: Like that's what that's what that's like when you when you when you say we're gonna reboot Star Trek I was expecting like it's gonna be like an, a, a whole new story a whole new cast and, like, I was hoping even then for it to be after, like, the Voyager timeline. I feel like it still right. should have been for those movies. It should have been movies after the Voyager timeline. Well, this is what happens next. This is the next chapter. But, no, exactly. it's just, like, we're going to do what we've all, what we've, what what works. We're just going to, like, oh, play we, on people's nostalgia.
1: Oh, we know that uh, Kirk and Spock are household names. Uh-huh. So why don't we recreate that? That dude on Heroes kind of looks like Spock. So, it. Uh, so, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. When they should have, even if they wanted to do Back in Time and kind of do that time period because they knew it, then you do that and you have the Enterprise be, uh, just for a second, a stupid little cameo where you go, oh, there's the Enterprise. Bye, Enterprise. And you have new actors playing new characters in that timeline. Absolutely. Or something like that. And then maybe you have a cameo by someone playing Kirk and Spock at one point at the end of the movie, and you just have it in there for a second. But you don't focus on them because, especially when the actors are alive, and we're still within or most of the actors are alive, and we're still so within that connection. That's why, hey, Nightmare on Elm Street. You don't cast someone else as Freddy Krueger when Robert Englund is still old enough to play the part. Uh-huh. It's just you—you you can't do that, and you don't put old Spock in that movie to make you aware that this sucks. <laughs> I don't know that. <sighs> see, uh... and I know someone out there saying, "Yeah, but it was great to see Leonard Nimoy play Spock again." Yes, it was. But why not write a good part for him in a next generation movie where he shows up and dies in that or in that extended universe in the future because he's still alive? Yeah, have him sacrifice himself and and have it mean something. Have it fucking mean something.
0: Yeah, I feel I feel like most of the Star Trek movies fall short, but the JJ J. Abrams movies in particular are like probably like my least. I would well I w- ugh, I don't know I don't know if I'd rather watch Insurrection or Star- Insurrection yeah. or Star Trek Ins- Two i can't oh, i can't God, that that's that's a real so fucking so <laughs> like
1: I I, I I i don't i'm with you on that one that would be like do i want to eat this pile of shit or do i want to eat this or do i wanna drink this cup of piss <laughs> i i think ultimately i would rather watch insurrection because i love those characters
0: more yeah. and there's at least some elements of it i can fast forward don't you get to see data as a boat in that one is that the one
1: yeah (laughs) yeah we just kind of walks into water that you get to see Picard have that horribly boring love story oh my god
0: Uh, i liked vosh that was the last one that i was interested in
1: oh Vosh. she she showed back up on in that q episode of deep
0: space she did
1: I did like vosh, but I do want to. I do want to talk a little bit about that episode that we were talking about similitude, similitude which actually yes. sparked this whole discussion that we had. I watched the episode again last mm-hmm. night, and I just want to. I want to give uh, my two cents, and I'm going to let Quinn go because I know he probably has a lot to say about this episode. Awesome. it's an episode where uh, where uh, some fucked up shit happens on the ship, and Trip fucks up again. Trip, because Trip always fucks up, but Trip fucks up again, and <laughs> and he gets. Put into a coma. He he's he's gonna die, and this is right in the middle of the Zindi arc. I'm sh- I, I I've only watched Enterprise once. I'm I do for I'm due for a rewatch. This was like one of the, and then I watched select episodes. So I believe this is in the middle of the Zindi Arc. So so things are things are stakes are high, and Flocks, who is an, a fucking mad scientist, Phlox, <laughs> is like I have a new experiment I can fuck with. Look at this little creature. This little uh, what is, what is it called? It's a uh, forget what a, it's dis- called. I have it already, but I have the lacerian Desert Larvae. Okay, so that can uh, that can reproduce a symbiote version. You know Spider-Man? You ever, you ever seen Spider-Man? We can get a symbiote of, like, Venom, and we can get uh, another trip that will only la- survive 15 days, it will accelerate growth, only last 15 days, and won't really have any brains or memories or anything, you know, whatever. It will just be kind of something we can use it to fix trip you know we can use it cells when it reaches the same age as trip that was a big thing it needs to be the same age so ultimately they ha- they do it after archer goes, <laughs> what are you going to say dog and then and then archer decides to do it they do it the baby grows up Whole episode yada 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 eventually we realize that this baby can has all of Tripp's memories and ultimately is Tripp, but almost an improved version of Tripp because it's learning from all of Tripp's mistakes. Has a crush on T'Pol, like, just goes through, tries to form a friendship with Archer, just, just like, really becomes an important member of the, of, the, of the crew eventually and develops all these stuff. Eventually, we find out through flocks two fuck-ups. One, oh, there's this shit that we can use on the symbiote to make him live a full life. <laughs> In the like wow, I can live a full life, awesome, awesome, totally. It's this is great. And then the other thing we found out is, guess what? Flox doesn't fucking cross his T's and dot his eyes. He doesn't give a shit. He's uh, he's uh, the most fucked up of all the doctors. And <laughs> and uh, ultimately, we're not going to be able to keep this guy alive. We're going to have to kill him to save Trip and Arch And he goes, Archer, what should we do? And Archer's like, we're going to kill this guy. And and the 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 symbiote, who they call Sim is basically like, I don't wanna die. <laughs> I've got this mess. I'm better than Trip. I Trip fucked up. I remember. Trip fucked up. Why not basically saying to Archer, I'm your friend. Why not can't you just like go from this point? And Archer basically says, I am gonna hold you down and I am going to drag you down at gunpoint to go do this. And the guy's like, You're not really gonna do that. And Archer goes, You know me, you know trips you have trips memories. I'm gonna fucking do this because I can't solve this mission without trip. And I need trip, but you got trip right in front of you, you fucking idiot. So ultimately, they guilt this guy, they guilt this fucking symbiote into into saying, "Fine, I'm nothing. I'll kill myself." And he so he takes the decision out of Archer's hands. But ultimately, Archer did what I think is a horrible fucking thing. Yes. And and basically guilted this person into a forced suicide to save an idiot. And and I love I love Tripp. I think he's a, one of the better characters on Enterprise, but he is a flawed character, and he's not great at his job. It's on the job training, and he ultimately dies anyways in Riker's simulation. Fucking Enterprise. But but <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that's all I have to say about this episode. Uh, and I and I know Quinn Quinn has a great deal to say yeah. about this as well.
0: I was I was fucking I was fucking disturbed by Archer when he was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to fucking kill you and there's nothing you can fucking do about it." Like I posted on this is the crazy part. This is what got me so worked up about it. I posted the clip onto a Star Trek group on Facebook just to get other people's responses and reactions and so many people we're on Archer's side, and like I got, I got, I got responses like, "Well, he's nothing but a clone. If it wasn't for Trip, he wouldn't exist, anyways." I'm like, "So what? If it wasn't for your parents, you wouldn't exist. Does that mean your parents can like kill you and harvest your organs? Does that mean that your parents have the right to kill you and harvest your organs just because Go you come cool, from them?" Yeah. yeah, it was just really, really odd. And you know, people were pointing out that the stakes are high at the time; like they're trying to like save the human race. But at the same time, I talked to Phil about the episode I, Borg, in Next Generation. Picard refused to kill off the Borg because he understood that Hugh was an individual and that killing off the Borg would be genocide. He's not going to do that. He's not, like, because individual rights outweigh... like, Like, your rights end where somebody else's begin. Like, And I felt like, really, Archer had no right to force him to kill himself because that's what he did. They literally (laughs) force him to kill himself. And it's literally like the most, one of the most screwed up episodes of Star Trek that I've ever seen. Like, I'm so conflicted watching it. Like, what is this show trying to say to me right now? Like
1: that Archer's a bully that Archer's Debo and uh, give me your sandwich. You know, that Archer's basically like pressuring him and forcing him into doing that. It's, it's, it's really fucked up. It's, not even the dominion—it's a dominion kind mm-hmm. of thing, with like the Vorta and stuff. But even then, they keep the Vorta—they have an affinity for their clones, so they keep keep multiplying them and stuff. I know it's not an exact situation, but you think about other clones and other copies and how situations were handled. Did they? Did Picard decide to kill Thomas Riker and go, "Oh, we already have a Riker. Why don't we just leave you on this planet?" Exactly. No, they let him live his own life. Maybe he decided to fuck up and ultimately get himself thrown in a Cardassian prison and ultimately getting break, broken out in the books. But uh, but that's beside the point. Uh, but no, it's not what you've got to do. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed like Archer ultimately was just being a bully.
0: Let's, and, let's say, like, yeah. uh, somebody makes a clone of you against your will. Like, I mean, that's wrong that they did that to you, but at the same time, fuck off. That clone isn't you. And you no. have no right whatsoever to tell that clone what to do, or like go anywhere near that clone, or do anything to that clone. That clone is an individual. Like, yep. So, like, that's my Shinzan, And I know I don't want I don't want to
1: talk about it as, as it is because it's part of it. Shinzan is his own individual. Yes. He is not
0: Picard. Exactly. Nothing like if Picard.
1: And, and Picard... Nothing like Picard, they live different lives. And if he had gone with Picard and, and instead of going against him or something, he would have had his own life, his own decisions. And Sim ultimately deserved to make those decisions because he became his own person and he had a chance to survive. And again, I, I don't I can't reiterate enough. Trip did this to himself. And he and you need trip, you have trip right there. Oh, it's a clone. Yeah, it's a clone. The other trip died and can't survive. So you made this clone of him. You—is it worth killing another person to save him? Because that's what you're doing. You're ultimately murdering someone to harvest their organs. Can we do that? Can we do that now? Is that okay? That, Can I? Oh god, I need a new kid, kidney. Can I just go kill somebody and
0: take it? That's. Oh, they're a
1: clone. But no, they're not a clone anymore.
0: It, it's really effed up, and it it takes me back to what Guinan said to Picard. About like data like she's like she's she says to him like what you decide here is going to determine whether like eventually we have disposable people Like she literally says that she literally talks to Picard about disposable people like what am I seeing in Enterprise a disposable person just going to take this person harvest their organs and then throw them away.
1: Yeah, it's and ultimately, it's just a slippery slope. And I know what some people will be saying about the comparisons that we're mentioning. We're mentioning stuff in the future. And so in the past of this universe, these humans aren't quite as evolved as the ones we're saying. That doesn't make right or wrong any different. Absolutely. And and also, to go to a bigger point that we are talking about earlier, about Star Trek always being going to the future, that's another reason why I don't like prequel series. Mm -hmm. Because Star Trek is... I don't, I don't mind seeing humans discover and develop and stuff, but I think what Star Trek is best at is pushing to the future and pushing to the past. And I know this is supposed to be still the future of the human kind, but I think- I
0: hope we're beyond that by that point. In beyond time. that now. I was just about to say that. I hope we in the 20th,
1: 21st centuries are better than that, better than Archer and would not make that kind of decision. Absolutely. And would not, I and I don't think we would, and I think it's easy to say that about a television character, but like what Quinn was saying, if that was you, if you got cloned and you met your clone, would you want that person to think to die for you? I don't think so, unless you're Raza Ghul and you want to kill your son, or your daughter to take their body. You're just not going to be that kind of person. Even in silly movies like Multiplicity with uh, with uh, uh, Friggin' Michael Keaton. When he finds a way to clone himself, when cloning was all big, you got a lot of cheesy cloning moves. Initially, his clones he made to be his servants and do all the things for him, but he couldn't keep it up because as time went on, they all developed their own personalities. So ultimately, he let them live all their own lives and do their own thing because that's what you all have to do. So something, How an organism is born is one thing, but how it develops in life and gets its own identity and to talk about what we started this all about sentience the sentience of machines mm-hmm. in Westworld and data and everything it's all it's all connected and this is the same sort of thing and archer bullied a human into killing himself i don't care how that human was born
0: absolutely and it's like it's not about like how this sentience was created all that matters is the fact that it exists it's like yep. it's like the episode of next generation where they go to that one planet and they've got the little microscopic organisms that call them. What do they call them? Bags of water or something? Oh, ba-
1: yeah, you ba- yeah. Hello, bags of water. I yeah, that, bags that, of that water. Weird, <laughs>
0: yeah, like like Picard. They have to recognize that as a life form because that's what it is. It's an intelligent, sentient life form, and it has every right to exist as anyone else, yep. as the Federation, 100%. as anyone.
1: Hundred percent. And I, it just makes me think again. I mentioned them a few minutes ago. The Vorta and how they're all implanted with like cyanide pills or mm-hmm. whatever, so that so that it, whenever they're told to kill themselves at that point, that's what Archer basically did to them. He's the, he was the Dominion to to this Vorta servant that he created to save his friend's life that was just gonna kill himself again in a couple months, you yeah. <laughs> know, or a couple years. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, just just to really just to really. Disturbing. That was just really disturbing to me, and like the reaction from Star Trek fans was disturbing on, on the group. I, I think that what it was was that I kind of insulted Archer a little bit and said I was disgusted. So the Archer fanboys were kind of just like, yeah. don't insult yeah. Archer. We love Archer. Because <laughs> believe it or <laughs> sorry, not,
1: sorry, sorry, you guys, you you hate Archer.
0: You hate dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: that that's what that comes down to. That. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I think. God, And I I think Archer is the worst, I think Archer's the worst, I think he's just, he's in a tough position, but I just don't, he's the least flexible,
0: always getting his ass kicked by random aliens,
1: and I also think, and this is coming from someone that walked out at my wedding to the Quantum Leap theme song, (laughs) that's how much I like Scott Bakula in Quantum Leap, He's too nice of a guy to play a character like Archer, so it's not quite believable to me. So it takes me out of it for a second. The guy, like the guy in Chain of Command that plays uh, the plays the captain that that hates that uh, hates Riker, forget his name, but or or the actor that played Martok or something like that. You needed a gruffer, angrier dude, I think, to play Archer for it to be a little bit more believable for me. Scott Bakula is just so damn likable, uh-huh. and I just don't always. So I seem like. So you see – to me, I see him putting that scowl on, and I, and I just think it's it's not as effective. I think I think it was poor casting, and I think could have been done better in, just in retrospect looking back at it. One thing
0: about Enterprise for me is that uh, I tend to like the more, like, cer- cerebral aspects of Star Trek, mm-hmm. and Enterprise was, like, more yeah. militaristic. It was more yep. – yeah, so I, that's just that's kind of just less my thing than that, – so that's why – I don't like Enterprise it's, as much as the other ones. Except for Voyager. I'd rather watch Enterprise than Voyager. I, it's interesting
1: to, to think about Deep Space Nine, which did war yeah. and was so much more, but it was so deep mm-hmm. and had explored those concepts in ways that never were done before on a Star Trek series or in a lot of other series. I consider Deep Space Nine a good transitional series that led us to the era of television mm-hmm. we're in now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sopranos, uh, The Wire, Oz. All those kind of shows from HBO get a lot of credit as that transition into this period, but Deep Space Nine and even shows like Sand Elsewhere and stuff, they help transition for that long-form storytelling. Absolutely, and and help help warm people up and really explored every character interaction you could possibly imagine. You know, Odo and Garrick on those two-part episodes. I think again to just more more uh, glorify Deep Space Nine here. I think they had the best two-part episodes where Homefront, uh mm-hmm. Purgatory's Shadow and I forget the first part where where they go where uh Garrick and and uh get ends up interrogating Odo the one where they have to go to the colony and uh to the prison colony and save save uh, Bashir and yeah. you find out Bashir's a clone. Oh yeah. All,
0: He's like all those means. little things. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we find that it's so crazy and you and to go to Bashir and to go to why partly why he's my favorite doctor, you see such a character exploration. Mm-hmm. I think this has some some connection to what we were talking about in that episode in Sim, uh, that Bashir is a genetically enhanced human, yes. and he has to hide it, and he pushes it through until eventually lets that out, and then the last seasons he's just like a super powered human. <laughs> <over>. <laughs>
0: You know, Love it. you know, I don't know how long they had that idea, but like if you watch Deep Space Nine from the beginning, it's almost like they kind of set that up that he is like better than everybody yeah. else because he's always he's always like better than O'Brien at everything. And O'Brien's like, they kind of have this like cool little uh, rivalry, but also like this like awesome friendship and like great bromance that I just really enjoy watching. Like O'Brien <laughs> also is a character that's like way better on Deep Space Nine than in Next Generation. Same with war. It's not even
1: war. Yeah, both of them are so much. But Klingons are done so well on Deep Space Nine. The exploration of yeah. them, the, the episode where all three of them, it's when, I think it's called, oh God, I forget what it's called, but it's the season five, episode one, I believe. And it's the episode where they all have to dress like Klingons to go to the celebration to try to prove that Martok's a, a changeling, or they think. Gauron's changeling at that point, and Odo doesn't have his changeling powers, uh, and him, Worf, and Cisco, and O'Brien all have to go pretend to be Klingons on a Dukat ship. They fly them there and stuff. One of the best apocalypse-something rising or something, yeah. I think it might be called. Uh, great, great episode, and so well explored, the Klingons. One of the only things I didn't like on Deep Space Nine, or a few things I didn't like, was Keiko. Well, I would have been happy if they didn't take over. I mean, who cares about Keiko? <laughs> Keiko sucks. (laughs) And and Alexander. I'm just saying like more next generation elements that came over. Same with Q, Vash. All the people other than... I I like Thomas Riker. I like when they brought Riker on. I wouldn't have minded maybe a Data cameo in the episode that we had. Bashir and Next Generation. I would have liked some
0: more Picard stuff. We got like one Picard thing. I would have liked just one more. They were
1: so good together. And to have (laughs) as Cisco became more developed uh how he if he ended up forgiving or resurfacing any of the borg stuff it would have been good to have maybe one borg thing happen on deep space nine two to see how cisco would have handled it see
0: him shove the defiant up the borg's ass <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> been, been, i feel like deep space nine got really good uh after wharf like yeah, that four five, five that's like the four best. five and
1: six yeah, 4, 5, and 6, those three seasons. 7 is good, too, with Ezri Dax and all of that. Uh, some good aspects, I don't
0: like Ezra.
1: I don't like Ezri at all, either. Um, she's one of my least favorite aspects of that final season, yeah. and I really fuck you,
0: Becker. <laughs> I
1: think we were talking about this until Yeah, this was one of the things that you and Alicia were saying. Fuck, fuck you, Becker. Yeah, fuck Becker.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's, I mean Ezra's better than, than Cass, so. <laughs> yeah, <I think> Cass <laughs> better than Felix. Uh, oh, my God. I just hate Neelix Neelix so much I just can't even like I try to watch Voyager sometimes and I just see Neelix and it's just like could they have made a more annoying character
1: what were they in in the words of another great person what were they thinking (laughs) with uh, with Neelix the were they trying to make him the quark were were that was that what they were thinking he's
0: nowhere near as good as quark
1: No, he's nowhere fucking near his quark. I just have to say one quick thing about Deep Space Nine, about uh, if anyone out there, Star Trek fan, has any money, try to reopen the Star Trek experience in Vegas somewhere. I know there's people trying to do it. I was able to visit there once. They had a replication of Quark's bar there. I got a warp core breach with a couple of my friends. It was basically like a scorpion ball, but but, uh, it was amazing. Great aesthetics. They have Ferengi bartenders walking around there in sort of a motion odyssey ride, Star Trek ride, that was exceptionally well done. It got closed about I want to say it's about ten years now because of a change in ownership of a casino and the change in ownership. were like, yeah, we don't like Star Trek. Let's get this thing out there. But it's it. They still have all the elements of it out there, and they've been trying to reopen a location. So if anyone out there's a Star Trek uh, fan, fucking help me in Living in Vegas, help. Fucking I used to hear so much
0: cool. about it on this podcast that I used to listen to called Treadcast. They would they would talk about how they would hang out at the Star Trek experience and oh, how great it was. I never got to see it. I'm I'm too young, I guess. Yeah.
1: I went out I went out there with a couple of friends that were not Star Trek fans. And I said, oh, we got to go. And it was way off the strip to it at the, at the uh, Hilton Hotel. And I was like, oh, we got to go to the Star Trek experience. We got to go to Star Trek. They're like, dude, we're not fucking going to the Star Trek experience. <laughs> That's stupid. I was like, no, come on, come on. It's going to be okay. It's going to be
0: okay. I'll pay.
1: I'll buy you drinks everyone.
0: Come on. Let's go. Let's I go, judge go. people that don't like Star Trek.
1: Uh, you should. And we go in and we walk in there with with four of them. Four friggin' crazy, crazy hippies. And they will go... Oh my god dude this place is amazing and we hung out there for like three hours they, they loved it uh-huh. and they went on rides and they still don't like to watch star trek
0: but uh-huh. they
1: uh, they they always say to me okay dude that was the most fun we've ever my had my friend so
0: they had to... my friend Brittany hates star trek and she's always telling me how much i hate how much she hates star trek so one time we were all together and i was like we're gonna watch an episode of star trek and i it was the episode of star trek next generation where data has his daughter and she loved that episode I was like, there's that one episode for everybody that'll make them like Star Trek. At least I think. You're it. There is
1: the the main episode I played. I I was talking to my friend uh, friend Opie, and he uh, and he was like, oh, star, he's a Star Wars fan. And he was like, Star Star born, blah 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 blah. So I said, sit the fuck down, and I put on Pale Moon in the pale moonlight, my God, yeah. episode. And he he's like, the fuck, this is what? And went home and watched all of Next Generation, watched all Deep Space Nine, watched all of Voyager, watched all of it. And it's like a huge star. Trek I can't even
0: episode. say how much I love in the pale moonlight. That's like one of my favorite episodes.
1: It might be it might be the greatest episode of Star Trek ever because of what it explores. Avery Brooks' acting performance and Andrew Robinson's chemistry and the storyline to show how far they would go. I also yes. don't like every direction it went, but I also like the introduction of Section 31 to show yeah. how
0: not perfect oh, yeah. the Federation is. Definitely, you definitely start to see, you definitely start to like, it shakes your like notion that the Federation is like the good guys, even more so than it had been before. Like, I I just, just brilliant. This is, like, this is, it's, that's like the sixth season, right? So, like, that's when, like, the writing for me was, like, at its, like, peak. Like, I love that one of the greatest episodes of Deep Space. It
1: it It really was. If anyone hasn't seen Deep Space Nine and likes other Star Trek series and don't want to watch all through Deep Space Nine, I get it. That you can watch that episode on its own and have no, they basically set up what's going on. You're in the middle of a war lots of people dying and this is what happens
0: yeah and people talk people, people talk crap about deep space Nine. like a friend of mine who's really into star trek he's always like well deep space nine it's on a space station and they don't go anywhere and i'm just it's like it's like
1: gun smoke <laughs> it's just they sit there and nothing happens It's not really star trek yeah. he's not really even a captain he's a commander at the beginning <laughs> and no doubt the first two seasons of deep space nine it's not like Next Generation where the first two seasons are bad and they're not bad. Second season of Next Generation isn't bad. Mm-hmm. Or first season is. But they're they're figuring it out in those first two seasons. I think they get their rhythm in season three of Next Generation. Uh-huh. Three through six is near perfect. Except for, you know, there's bad episodes, but I think that's the prime of Next Generation. Seven, I agree, is hit or miss. The good episodes are really good. Uh-huh. But some of the bad episodes are a little weird. Uh, with Deep Space Nine, I think, the first two seasons were intentionally slow in plotting like the beginnings of a book. Like you're reading about, uh, cause you need to learn everything you need to know about the Bajorans, which to me is the most boring part of Deep uh, Space yeah. Nine. <laughs> I really don't care about the Bajorans when it comes down to it. Uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm whatever about the inter politics of the Bajoran people, but you need to set up all that emissary shit to be able to do what you do later. So they do it perfectly and litter that Dominion shit in the middle. Excuse me. Season three transitions really well. And on and season three of Deep Space Nine is a lot more fast-paced and starts to pick shit up. Season four, Warp lands on the ground running. Uh-huh. Four, five, six, perfect Deep Space Nine. Season seven, Dax, uh, Dax goes to Becker. Season seven ha- is hit or miss. The Garrick episodes are really good. The Nog episodes are really. I good. I like
0: Garrick a lot. He's one of my. He's one of my favorite characters on Deep Space he's Nine. Made-
1: him and Quark are probably my two favorite characters because of the way that they represent their people and the way you can see uh, other people's perspectives through their eyes. With Garrick playing the subtext, it's just it's incredible. Every Garrick episode, he's in the series just enough to be. Incredibly awesome! Such a fascinating
0: character and very mysterious. He like he just—they just keep up that air of mystery about him, like throughout, which I really like. Yep, <laughs> and
1: I—I've never read it, but I keep meaning to. I guess Andrew Robinson wrote a book called Stitch in Time that is set up like letters from him to Julian right after the time of, of Deep Space Nine season seven. Oh, wow! And it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's written in a journal-like form. And Andrew Robinson wrote it. It's called Stitch in Time you can find it online it's actually pretty expensive but um but i and there is some clips of him reading select chapters of there you can find if you do some youtube searching and uh, it's, it's it's very good from the snippets that i've heard i keep hoping they do an audiobook version of them because ultimately i'm an audio learner so i learn better from listening to something rather than reading it even in school i used to like read my notes and listen back to them in a in a, uh, in a lock <laughs> old that's how old i am and uh and uh so so uh, i always wait for audiobooks in some ways Uh but but uh but yeah so uh so if anyone wants continuation onto the deep space nine universe that's the or continuation onto the universe like we were talking about that we would hope it does exist in the extended book series which in some cases is not canon but it's still well done and if you get into the audiobooks each select audiobook has a different actor, depending on what the story is reading the audiobook. So, in say like a Quark story or, a, or an Odo story, you have Quark or Odo reading it. In a uh, in a then some of the older stuff, you'll have uh, Shatner or uh, Leonard Nimoy read some, or Martok read some, or or whatever you get. You always have Star Trek actors reading
0: the audiobooks. And again, you can find all that stuff with some select YouTube searching. So, uh, <laughs> so check that out. Who would you say that your favorite character in all of Star Trek is? If you had to pick one character, who would it be? One. Yes, one. Fuck.
1: He... <laughs> um, one character in all of Star Trek. That's so tough. Can I pick one a series? Um, I would say the most interesting, multi-layered character in all of Star Trek. I. They're, they're two different questions. I'm, I'm awful at answering questions easily. I would. I would say just because I'm talking about him, probably Garrick. Mm. I. I think, but he's not a main character, so I feel like my favorite main character of a cast of like a crew would probably be data. Uh-huh. Uh, I would say my my short list would be would be Spock, Data, Quark, Cisco. Uh, I d- love the fucking Cisco and I love his story arc because he's such an amazingly flawed actor uh-huh. in that episode where he uh, fla- Not flawed actor, flawed flawed character. Yeah, yeah <laughs> the, mine, goes, mine goes crazy. Uh, I'll say one thing. It's not it's not from uh, It's not from Voyager or Enterprise it, Those are re- and those original characters. It's it's hard. I love Shatner's Kirk, but I wouldn't call him a favorite character
0: um, I agree
1: and I love Picard, I wouldn't call him a favorite character. So I would say Data, Spock, Garrick, Cisco.
0: Everybody knows who my favorite character is. Everybody knows that I fucking love the fuck out of Data. Data is Data, <laughs> Data is like Data is like my my favorite Data is like my favorite television show character like ever. Like I
1: love it, dude. So good. I actually wrote a, my, my, my rock band, my funk rock band, we wrote a song called Data Superheroes. Really? If I had to pick yeah, a supporting
0: yeah. character that I like a lot, that I think it's a super underrated character, I'd pick Barkley. Like, I like Bar- Barkley oh, a lot wow. from The Next Generation. Like, I super relate to Barkley, like how he's got, like, the social anxiety. And, like, I, I totally relate to him. I totally relate to him. I really like Barkley.
1: I think Barkley's a great pick because... He's someone outside the main norm of the cast mm-hmm. that they really did explore. I think Barkley and then also in that episode of Lower Decks, yes. for some of the Generation at its best. And I feel like I wish they did a little bit more of that. at That's time. what I was hoping if...
0: that Discovery would be. It would be like Star Trek, but from the, but not on the not on the bridge and in the future. That's what I wanted. But no, they can't do that. They just want and uh, whatever. I'm not gonna.
1: So you. So your favorite one of your favorite episodes of what of uh, Star Trek which is one of my favorite episodes must be uh brothers right oh
0: my god I I I, I did enjoy brothers a lot but I wouldn't that's the one where um they all, they both meet up with Nuni and Soon, all three right? all
1: three yeah. and, and you have old man, old man son uh what do, you, what do you how do you feel about the and this is one thing how do you feel about the lore character and why wasn't he, and why wasn't he mentioned in nemesis? Yeah. So
0: they had that shit with B4. They're just like, yeah, oh, it's just like, screw lore. But yeah, the B4 shit was stupid, but whatever. <laughs> but like, I... that should have, it should have been lore. War should have been working on the opposite side.
1: And then you would have had both clones working against each other. That mm-hmm. movie had so much potential. If you wanted to really explore Shinzon in a good way, you have Thomas Hardy, who who did put in a really great performance. And then you have, lore in there being you know they put lore back together uh, or something like that and pretending to be before and then has a change or I don't know, it could have been done to tell
0: before. the truth about lore lore always creeped me out like I, <laughs> like, and the reason there's a specific reason and i know it's gonna sound crazy and out of left field said most people but the reason is because of the 90s made for television version of it and with pennywise the clown the, the, like his smile and the makeup reminds me of lore and it just creeps me the fuck out and I just can't look at him. Like Data's. Georgie! Georgie! Ugh.
1: Like Ron, Ron Georgie! Georgie. Ron. <laughs> my, my, uh, my, what, my wife's cat's name's George after the movie. She is creeped out by oh, that. She, her most, her most horrifying, dude, she's, she's gonna listen to smile. Her most horrifying moment is, uh, is that fucking clown. So I could, I could definitely relate.
0: Jesus Christ. And I'm a huge fan of the It, the book. Is, like too but like that like something about the way the, the clown's makeup looks i think it's how like the lips the lips it's like it's like almost covered with makeup but not quite and like its makeup is like done almost the exact same way so seeing data express emotion just reminds me of being terrified of that clown in my childhood and it just freaks <laughs> me the fuck out <laughs> oh <laughs> I, I just God, can't i can't with lore. Awesome. <laughs> but like yeah but like i i enjoy the episodes that he's in like i, I enjoyed brothers i enjoyed the Descent. I thought it was really a two-parter,
1: great, great two-parter with where we were talking about. I Borg earlier. Yeah. Where, uh What's it, Jordy's friend there? Well, what was his name? Uh, Hugh. Hugh. Thank you. Hugh comes back in that episode, and uh, yeah, I thought that was that was one of the good. That was uh, a two-parter leading from the end of season six into season seven. I believe yes. that was the six. six finale in season seven premiere yeah I thought I thought that was a good good way of starting it I actually also this episode gets a lot of shit but I like the episode where Picard goes on un- pretends he dies and goes undercover and goes through that whole uh thing and then Riker and him are on that separate ship and th- th- that one guy's mm-hmm. tortured. I forget what that episode's called it's uh season seven the episode. episode
0: where Picard's getting tortured yeah oh. it's uh it- it's is it called Gambit maybe I th- that's that's the there are four lights one right was like the... No, no, that's that.
1: That's a different. That's where he's kidnapped by the Cardassians. Oh yeah, movies. yeah, yeah.
0: You're right. <laughs> that that's an
1: excellent episode. Excellent episode. Mm-hmm. This is more che- This is a more cheesy one. It's in season seven. It's called uh, Gambit. Picard d- dies, and then they Riker becomes the captain of the ship and has to investigate Picard's death against everyone else's wishes, and he ultimately finds out that Picard is not dead and mm-hmm. he's actually working on an art astro uh, astrological ar- cre- archaeological oh fuck. Archaeological. <laughs> thank you thank you freaking uh t- too many eating too many sandwiches i can't say archaeological is <laughs> <laughs> so uh working on a case and <laughs> and ultimately uh he in he he joins the crew as well uh-huh. and they have to bring bring them down and there's like a rom there's romulans working in the mix too trying to get the device and I it's, only it's vaguely a decent i
0: remember this episode I, it might be i think it's called gambit i'm gonna i'm gonna have to look i recognize look at it. the name but i'm trying to like the details are kind of hidden oh spots shit for me sure. but like, damn ad up. sorry <laughs> i kind of remember the details but then kind of not i kind of like i do kind of gloss over a lot of the episodes in the in the seventh season like i don't like because i feel like the seventh season was kind of hit and miss for me like a
1: yeah, lot of,
0: it it just a lot of it was a lot, a lot of it was hit and miss. Next generation was really good, like in the middle. I feel like that that's when it was at its best, from like three to six.
1: I think the problem that they faced was ultimately when you go that far in a show like that, you d- and you don't have an overarching arc mm-hmm. other than individual character relationships and stuff, and even that next generation was kind of low on, there weren't any like super, there was data becoming more human. There was Picard dealing with everything that happened with the Borg and there was Riker and Deanna's relationship and eventually more from Deanna's relationship. But you didn't really have much to build on other than the Q storyline, which you concluded at the end and you, you keep coming to every season of like, you know, the trial that humanity was on, but there wasn't an ongoing conflict it was with the Romulans, but I don't think it was explored enough as it could have been. They could have kept going with that next generation of, say, season seven was finally the conflict reaches ahead with the with the Romulans and yeah. there's some political intrigue and
0: because stuff like that. They set up the Romulan in like I forget it's at the end of season two or one or something where they're like we're back, and then they don't yep. do shit. They literally just
1: except for with uh, what's her name with uh, oh with, with Tasha, uh, yeah, Yar. Tasha
0: Yar's child that, that was such a mind fuck like i'm just like what <laughs> the hell like, but it was it was uh, yeah it was a mind fuck it was it
1: was it was uh it was the where it came from makes it obvious that it was uh her be like eh, i want it off the show i want it off the show yeah, I went back on the show. I went back on the it's show. Even Let's
0: more see. popular, you say? Well, <laughs>
1: well, well, well. I get an idea. Uh, let me think about this. Um, uh, why don't you rewrite my character on as a Romulan daughter? Because that, that episode we went back, and I had sex with Shooter McGavin. Remember that? That was
0: awesome. You know, one of the showrunners uh, in that uh, documentary, Chaos on the Bridge, that I was telling you about. About he totally throws shade. At Tasha Yar, the actress. He's like, Oh, and she left because she went to go pursue her big Hollywood actress career. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, did you really have to do her like that? <laughs> oh, she's watching that like the son it's of a throwing of mad shade. And then I I got to hear a very interesting story from Patrick Stewart on that documentary as well, where he was like super pissed off that this like news crew was like doing all these interviews in the studio and he walks in and the weatherman has on his uniform and he like storms off and he's like super pissed and they almost lost patrick stewart that day yeah i
1: guess he was he was at the beginning not hard to work Mm -hmm. with but he wasn't as much of a community with the rest of the cast so it makes that scene at the end where Um, in the final episode where he comes in that scene makes me shiver even talking about it right now i'm starting to get that kind of shivers on my spine where he comes down, and I should have done this forever. Uh, you know, five-card uh, five card, five card uh, stud, nothing, wi- nothing wild, and the sky's the limit as he deals those cards. I watched
0: it recently, it's, and I cried. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's so emotional, and I can't even ex- That's just a credit of the amazing acting ability of Patrick Stewart, just walking into that scene. You just realize in that moment that you've never seen him there before, and it's almost something you never really think about until that point. And then he comes in that room, you realize everything he's been through. And that is definitely a parallel to Patrick Stewart in the way he felt about the cast. Mm-hmm. In the way, just, I think he felt about enjoying his career. And I think the end of his career, because of Star Trek, has been a lot more enjoyable for him getting involved yeah. in X, all those fun videos with Ian McKellen. Uh, do- doing uh, even, I know I don't like it, doing like American Dad and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and doing... Uh, and doing uh, that show, Blunt Talk, and and just kind of being more of just having fun and stuff. And getting right? high so, and hanging out at the pool with his yeah, wife. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think all of that started from the way that the Next Generation cast had this community and this friendship, and they brought him in and sort of melted that ice that was Patrick Stewart and and uh and yeah it's, it's it's a beautiful thing that that in that that parallel to that scene i think that's why they put that in there
0: and it's so emotional so well done he's just an amazing actor and i'm glad he's got so much nerd cred he's got like the marvel x-men nerd cred and he's got the star trek nerd cred which is like the i feel like star trek nerd cred that's like the biggest nerd cred that you can get like if you're on because it was Cause, yeah, it
1: was it was it was the first. It was one of the first ones,
0: you know. And I just went out there and was going, wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, but comic books. But yeah, Star Trek yeah. was pretty early. The fandom that grew around it, and I think it's interesting to watch someone like shatner who used to think he was bigger than it mm-hmm. like coming back into it and doing all those yeah, come right I, back I in love,
0: motherfucker come right back in. i
1: love shatner i do from what he is for that you know the character but he's just like oh that water's you know i don't want to swim anymore oh wow everyone else is in the pool i gotta get back in where is someone like george takei takei whatever oh. <laughs> it's he's such a Entity that's yeah. just so natural. Like you think about even in the nineties before this is all, if anyone wants to go back, listen just Google George Decay in Shatner feud oh and listen God. to like some of the how Shatner acted towards him on the Howard Stern show or something like that, or or the, the interviews back and forth and how horrible Shatner was to him. And now Shatner's like, Oh, George is great. I love George. Dude. Look, look how much I love <laughs> George, because everybody loves George. Dude. Shatner's such a schmoo.
0: What was crazy to me about Shatner, where I was just like, "Oh, really?" Is that I heard that he didn't even go to Leonard's funeral. I was just like, yeah. "What?" That's kind of like nuts. And yeah, I've heard horror stories like about Shatner. There's some
1: issues, you know, some issues about that Captain's documentary and him and him and Leonard Nimoy weren't really talking at the really? end or something. Some someone told me that recently. Like Shatner used some clip without his permission, and then Lee, Leonard Nimoy was like, "Oh, just please ask my permission." And Shatner was like, "Fuck you," or something what? like that. I, I forget. I, I'm someone out there can correct the facts of this. I'm not saying this for a fact. I've heard this. I haven't read the quotes myself. But I posted something about, and I think it was in that Facebook group you we were talking about. Uh-huh. where where someone posted something about the captains, and I said, oh, that's a great documentary, blah, blah, blah. But someone said something like, yeah, too bad that was the movie that put a a strike between Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Uh And they said, someone said that Shatner used some footage without Nimoy's permission, and it drove a stake between them somehow.
0: You know, I I, I heard that, like, I don't know how true this is again. I heard that, like, back in the day that sometimes shatner would like go in the the scripts and like if somebody had more lines than him in an episode he would scratch out their lines so that he Um, had the most episode so that he had the most lines in the episode which is like what that's nuts he was such a fucking diva like the huge diva that's nuts it's like
1: if you if a couple of good reads and listens is i'm spock and i am not spock uh by leonard nimoy it's two of his uh his biographies about him being Spock in his time in Star Trek, and obviously you're hearing things from his perspective. But he seems like a very honest, genuine he person does. that you're hearing genu- generally from the truth. He'll he'll bash himself in a lot of opportunities, saying that I was egotistical, I was this, I was that. But his take on Shatner is is in my mind spot on. Uh-huh. From almost anybody, and like when you hear things like what George Takei says about Shatner, that's the real Shatner that they all saw. Uh-huh. He was he was uh, he, he's a he's a star, and he's a and he's a he has a lot of gravitas. He's a talented Zap Brannigan, Zap Brannigan, <laughs> but he, he, he's definitely Zap Brannigan. He's Tim Allen in uh Gauss, Galaxy Quest. Yes. He's he's that character. He is that person. And, <laughs> Never let, let never let him fool you.
0: Oh, wow. See, the, I, I know this is a digression, but I love Futurama, man. Like, Futurama is, like, my oh, shit. Like...
1: The episode, the Star Trek episode of oh, Futurama. Oh, with, with, like,
0: the all the best. cast. That was great. Oh, dude. That was maybe the best one. They who they, they pull someone's head out and then someone else's head goes, I'm in the first spot now. <laughs> I hear what that is. But... Oh, much better I mean, than I... Family Guy's Next Generation cameo oh, episode.
1: A thousand percent. <laughs> Futurama is awesome. And I think ultimately... It should have done as much as I do have an affinity for the early parts of The Simpsons because the generation I grew up in and The Simpsons were everything everything at a point in time. And, I, and I'll always love Matt Stone and Trey Parker because of their satirical oh, wit yeah. and, all, and, their, and their humor. I think Trey Parker is the modern day, even though Weird Al still makes music, but he's like the best m- modern song comedy guy ever uh-huh. in the world, Trey Parker. <laughs> Futurama should have taken over for The Simpsons. And I think the original idea that they wanted was that The, that the Simpsons would have eventually ended and Futurama would have been the show that they went. Because I think all the creativity in that universe and with that creative team that worked with the Matt Groening stuff went with Futurama. I feel like and then-
0: I could have watched Futurama for like 20 seasons. Like I could have kept watching it. Like I, I just wish it never had have ended. Like I loved it from beginning <laughs> to end. It was-
1: it's funny earlier when we were talking about clones. I just fla- I wish I I wish I knew you were a fan of Futurama cuz flashed through my head several times I'm like I'm not going to say this it was fry having sex with his own clone. Oh my in the first god. <laughs> well, it's just like masturbating.
0: <laughs> Futurama, Ugh. Futurama had some really cool like sci-fi just like twist that I just freaking yep. loved. Like stuff that ran throughout the entire like episode like how like how like Fry had no delta brainwave pattern because he was his own grandfather, and therefore like the brain things couldn't scan him, and that's why he was brought to the future in the first place. Like that had some really good writing. Like I was super, like I was very impressed. Very the impressed. Universe,
1: the universe was the universe was woven so well. Yeah. The voice act was cast extremely good. Two of the best, two of the best voice actors, or one, one of the best voice actors of all time, and Billy West mm-hmm. working on that show. And killing it on that show and then what's his name uh joe dimaggio just destroys it at bender, I love in that bender. Role. he's he's incredible he's incredible and i love when when bender pops up in other places and uh joe dimaggio also did an excellent joker in in red hood but uh and uh billy west just one of the best voice actors mm-hmm. i love katie seagal oh, yeah as with- Leela. <laughs> yeah and she, she just fits so well i love that married with children episode where she goes to that planet <laughs> She, uh, and she ends
0: up being that dude's yes. service. <laughs> just, she just turns into Peggy in that episode. I love it. That's such a good episode, too. And Leela is also... Leela. I don't know we're talking about future Robin now, but Leela has a very good arc, I think, as yeah, well. she does. With, like, her mutant parents and, like, how in the beginning she didn't know who her parents were and they were protecting her that entire time. It was just very sweet and,
1: and you say we're talking about future and i think it's important though when it comes into star trek it, is. it shows how influential star trek is not just in trek but in other series and i can't talk about deep space nine without making reference of there are people out there who go yeah deep space nine is just a copy of Babylon five but i like <laughs> deep space nine better so shut up <laughs> Babylon five so uh no but no Babylon five is great and i i don't i don't like it but the you people that like it i know it's great and i'm not gonna bad mouth, that I just didn't personally enjoy yeah. it but but Star Trek influences a lot of other sci-fi that's Absolutely. come from it where where we go Futurama we I mentioned Galaxy Quest we have uh what's The Orville, the Orville. coming
0: super excited how do you feel I mean, how do you feel about it when you're excited I mean I don't know it depends it, it looks it look I'm going to watch it it looks like it could be fun but I don't know Seth MacFarlane is a lot of hitting I don't like
1: that that's my one I wish it wasn't Seth MacFarlane yeah. because I'm not I, huge fan of his, but I think, could he pull off Zap Brannigan? Yeah, I, think, I guess I he, could. he could.
0: I mean, I hope they don't recycle jokes from Family Guy, because no. in his, like, I, I haven't seen the Ted movies, but I've seen clips of him, dude, and like, a I've, lot of the clips are just straight up rip offs from Family Guy. Dude,
1: I've seen the Ted movies, and I haven't watched many Family, family Guy post it coming back. The early seasons of Family Guy I watched, and, and there's some funny stuff in the first couple of seasons. When the first time you hear his jokes, you're like oh okay okay this is kind of funny like the first couple uh-huh. of stupid jokes are all right but like then you're like oh it's just the same jokes yeah. over and over again uh ted is just the recycling of those jokes over and over again well i i hope he tries something different with this yeah. and makes it more star of actual star i want Trek-y. it to be like I galaxy quest. Like star- quest exactly galaxy quest Futurama, *Hey Shocker's, Guide to the Galaxy*,
0: give me some of that. Exactly, yeah, that
1: kind of feel, and in, inspired by by this this that new like uh, *Guardians of the Galaxy*, just oh, like yeah. that good vibe, like, kind of like a fun, fun vibe, and and I don't even care if it's like Cloyingly Futurama copying copy Futurama. I've heard a couple of people say, "Oh, I, I don't," it's just like a copy of Futurama. Or that's what like I need that. in my because life. That's
0: fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> do, do it again. It's okay. I, just. just I have Futurama on Blu-ray. I have every single season. I love fucking Futurama.
1: <laughs> Great fucking show and I think it's very important that I that they pay homage and they do many times to Star Trek which has mm-hmm. such an influence on it. And without it, without Kirk, you don't have Zapp Brannigan. And Absolutely. one as much as I love the performance of Zapp Brannigan, I'd say the only minor sadness I have about Futurama and it's the same thing with The Simpsons too because I think this was a point where The Simpsons sort of changed for me as well was when Phil Hartman died Mm -hmm. or was killed he, as Lionel Hutz he was originally supposed to be the voice of Zap again Uh and I think the guy who does it does it perfect but if you think about Phil Hartman's voice he definitely could have been an excellent absolutely Seth Rinnigan, too, and he would have actually, I think he, they would have probably had him be even more of a character uh-huh. <laughs> Phil Hartman doing that, and then you would have just had Phil Hartman in that cast doing the voices too, uh-huh. mixed with Billy West and yeah. J- Joe DiMaggio and everything. Having him as an element, you know they would have kept using him. He would have been like the voice of a computer.
0: Totally. Or some,
1: some, so, uh, so I, we talk about underrated actors on Star Trek, underrated performers, out of all those people on that Saturday Night Live, I, I was probably the most fan of Bill Harmon, because he was like under under the uh, under the radar. You never saw him coming. Uh, he just does on those early seasons of The Simpsons. So much of what's funny about it is him. I, I'm sorry, we we transitioned to Star Trek talking to talking about The Simpsons. And Futurama.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, but Star Trek. I mean, it, like I said, like you said, like people that don't, people that aren't necessarily nerds that watch Futurama don't necessarily realize how. Many nerdy references there are in Futurama. Like, there's stuff like all over the place, like tiny references, big references. There's stuff everywhere.
1: Use, so, use so, even to the point of stuff that's ingrained into the just the the nature of the show, like Technobabble. Technobabble is a huge part it's, of uh, of Futurama and a huge part of Star Trek. It, it's a parallel. <laughs> they they literally yeah everything he does, everything he does, or like even uh, the universe of uh, of uh, I was gonna. I'm sorry. Somehow, uh, Doc Brown and uh, uh. and Fry's uh, grandfather kind of associated with each other. But, but, uh, but ultimately, it's there's just so much uh, influence on Star Trek, on on Futurama. If you're a fan of that, and you can just see it so much watching the parallels. And I'm hoping for some of the same in Orville. Yeah, we'll see what we get.
0: That's not all Star Trek influenced either. Like people like literally built technology because of Star Trek, and like made it into reality. Like Star Trek has helped like people with like innovation like since the nineteen sixties. There's so much that they why, predicted. Yeah, yeah. Yep. There's
1: there's a couple of good documentaries that were done on the science on the science show on uh on science and history channels, and all sorts of documentaries out there that talk about how so many just like what Quinn was saying, so many of the scientists of today that are inventing gadgets and stuff. Are, we're Star Trek fans. So they're trying to recreate some of the things they saw on, on Star Trek. The pads that everyone reads on is very much similar to like uh, notes and nooks and and whatever those things are. And it's so crazy because like,
0: so. you're watching like Deep Space Nine and you'll see like Odo like tapping away on like a pad. And that's just so normal today. That's that's nope. what we're all doing all the time.
1: Hol- Holodecks are legitimately going to be a thing with VR technology now. Holodeck. It's
0: its infinite. Have you seen? Have you, yeah, have you seen the um, Hololens by Microsoft? No, very impressive no, technology. That? It's like augmented reality. Like you put on this thing, and it literally pre- like you'll see holograms. Like you can like it's it's here. Yeah, yeah. They like the technology is totally here. Like it's still like it's still in beta, but like Microsoft has done a lot as far as the software and like designing it and making it work with the hardware. They they've designed, they've rebuilt Windows. They they're calling it Windows Holographic. And, like, let's say, like, I've got this thing on and I'm just looking at, like, a blank wall. I could, like, put, like, a screen on that wall and have, like, a giant screen. Or I could have, like, a model, like, of a human body, like, floating in front of me for, like, medical students and stuff like that. It's totally nuts. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen.
1: Literally within the next, like, 10 years, probably less, within the next 10 years, there will be a holodeck somewhere. You will. It, it won't be in people's houses, but they will form something. So maybe you won't be able, like, you won't be able to touch it and feel and feel like physical actions to it. Mm-hmm. But they w- it will actually exist in some form because of that. It, the technology is just already there. Just yeah. about impl- implementing it and working
0: out some of the kinks in the bugs. We just got to get to space next. Come on, guys. Yep. Stop cutting NASA. See, that's what okay, hurts me. You, Why are we cutting NASA? Do you,
1: do you think if a universal uh, replicator was invented, it would have the same effect in our world as it did in the world of Star Trek?
0: I mean, you would hope so, right? But at the same time, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like, I kind of don't have hope for humanity. And I feel like people would find a way to exploit other people with this some way, somehow. But like, yeah. like I'm hope. I hope that it would because if you got, if you've got infinite stuff, you have no. It's so unethical not to share it with like the world. It's like beyond unethical for you to have like this ability to produce an infinite amount of like resources and there are people starving. That would be fucked up completely.
1: It would be ridiculous to imagine and it would be fucking ridiculous to imagine how much they would charge for a replicator like that. And they would they where what they should do is mass produce them so they just so no one needs anything anymore. Absolutely. I mean and then everyone just has a bit, but they wouldn't. They wouldn't mass produce them at all. Like I say. They they they, they put like one in a store uh, and there'd be lines out the at the door.
0: Look at the line for the universal trip uh replicator. Absolutely. It'd be I don't know. I just I just don't I mean I hope that one day we can reach the Star Trek future, the next generation future. But, you know, with the trends with humanity I don't see I don't I don't I don't know. But dude, I really enjoyed this talk though. It's been awesome. Hopefully we can do this again sometime and like come on here and start talk about Star Trek.
1: Yeah, with the new series coming, oh, yeah. we'll definitely we'll definitely have to get together and share some of our thoughts once Discovery comes cuz it's coming soon right after uh, Game of Thrones season. I believe it starts in September
0: sometime. Yeah. So it's I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I guess. <laughs> yeah, let's,
1: yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. I, I guess. Let's, let's uh, keep our expectations low, and hopefully, we'll come back and be surprised yeah. with how good it is. Yeah, we can get is. on here and
0: talk again. Either we'll get, yeah. we'll get on here and talk again if it's bad or if it's good. We'll be back. Yeah. On here either way, there'll it.
1: be some. Either way, we'll be bitching about. <laughs> the, but
0: either way, I'll be bitching about. Something. But yeah,
1: no, we'll definitely talk again. Thank you so much, Queen, for having me on here. Talk some Star Trek. It's, it's great. I don't get, don't often get to babble this much about Trek. So yeah. it's a lot of fun.
0: Well, thank you so much, dude, for coming on my channel. Again, this is Phil, the Issues Guy. Check out his channel. And make sure you like and subscribe for more ideas of Ice and Fire. More like ideas of Star Trek, though. But. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, talk about Game of Thrones. <laughs>